Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman today. Blake, uh, I'll be perfectly honest with our listeners. When Florida's playing Vanderbilt, there's not a whole lot of content to, uh, to fill a 30-minute podcast. So it's like a glorified bye week. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, hey, crazier things have happened, right? Florida came out uh, two years ago at Vandy and went down 21-3. to Still ended up winning, but uh, I think it's safe to say this Florida team, I think most of us are expecting to roll this weekend. The spread's 31 points. So I wanted to do something a little different. On the first half of the show, before we get into talking about Vandy and some of the matchups, I, I wanted to basically kind of play a game. Um, Florida is obviously a championship contender this year. I want to ask you, and I'll, and I'll answer these as well, why you think Florida is a championship contender and, and kind of lay out an argument for Florida being able to win a championship. And by championship, I mean either SEC or national championship. Uh, just that kind of season, Okay. And then I would like to do the same why Florida is not a championship contender. Uh, and so we can just kind of make arguments for both because I think there's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of question marks on this team still. Um, but that doesn't mean those question marks can't get answered. So I guess I'll throw it over to you. Let's start with why Florida is a championship contender and the Gators can win a national championship this year. You know, I, I, I just can't look past Florida's offense and what they do, not only putting up a ton of yards, but they also are really efficient in scoring. They're really efficient in the red zone. I think whenever you get down to the red zone, obviously there's less space, there's less things you can do with the ball, but Florida's still finding a way to punch it in the end zone. And I think whenever you have a guy like Kyle Trask, those kind of teams that have those special years, those you know championship, whether that's SEC championship, national championship, whatever you want to call it, I think whenever you have those special type of Heisman contender quarterbacks and a guy who's playing just insane right now like Kyle Trask and all the weapons he has around him, Florida's offensive line is playing really well. I just look back to the offense to where yeah the defense they have their deficiency sure but I feel like Florida is the kind of team that can get in those boat race types of games and they I mean they can just flat out just keep up with you I mean yeah the defense can have some misses here and there they can have some drives where they give up some points or even a lot of points if you're facing a good offense like they did against Texas A&M but Florida is fully capable of scoring a ton of points they can go up in the 50s they can go in the high 40s I think whenever you have those type of playmakers, and it's not just Kyle Pitts at this point yes Kyle Pitts is arguably the best tight end in college football he's one of the the better players overall in college football 
But I look back at that Arkansas game and you see what Kyle Trask did with Florida's deep weapons. You know, even Keon Zipperer, you know, Justin Shorter, Trevon Grimes, Jacob Copeland. I mean, I could sit there and go on. And that's not even throwing in the running backs they have that they get involved in the run game and the pass game. I just think when you have a mind like Dan Mullen and you look at what he and Brian Johnson and the other guys on the offensive staff are doing, I just think that it's so hard to miss that Florida's offense is just playing insane. I think that they just have the type of offense. And I know there's a lot of comparisons to that LSU team last year to where they just have a deep team with just a ton of weapons. And I think Florida has that type of offense this year. And I think they have those kind of special players to where they can, they can match up with any of the best teams there. And I think that they can put up enough points to keep them in the game. And I, I mean, I, I guess it's a lame answer, but man, Florida's offense is just so good to where like I can just see them sticking in a game with anybody. No, I, I think that's, I mean, that's a really good point. Uh, I look at it, I think, following up on that, I think Florida's offense also has several ways to win games, right? I think what hasn't been talked about a whole lot is you you mentioned the O-line's playing better, but Florida really has a very efficient run game. And I think that gets lost because we we talk about Kyle Trask and the kind of numbers he's putting up. Talk about Kyle Pitts, you know, some of the catches that Trayvon Grimes and Justin Shorter have made. Darius Toney obviously being a huge weapon. But Florida can run the ball very efficiently. They've got multiple running backs that are really good. I, I continue to be impressed by Naquan Wright and his patience. I think that guy's going to be a superstar for Florida down the road. But even in just the last couple of weeks, you can see that Florida's offensive line is starting to build more depth, too. You know, you get Ethan White back last week. He can kind of slowly ramp into form before this Alabama game. That gives you a p- potential to adjust if you've got a matchup that's not really working uh, come the Alabama game, come potential playoffs. So I, I think that this team and, and this coaching staff in particular knows how to, and we've talked about it on this podcast before, they know how to go into a game and say, hey, here's how we think the game's going to play out. Here's how we're going to play it, right? The, very rarely has the game been dictated to Florida this year. I think A&M was able to do it to some extent. Um, I think, you know, obviously Georgia tried and failed. But I think what you're seeing is Florida, more often than not, is the team that has answers because of that offense. Now, having said that, for Florida to win a championship this year, the defense absolutely has to improve. And I think we both agree on that. A couple of reasons that give me hope that that can happen is I think that Florida has been a little bit below the mean in a few key areas from what we've seen under Todd Grantham. Right now, I look at turnover margin. Florida's only only forced nine takeaways so far, about one and a half per game. They're only plus one in the turnover margin. We know that Kyle Trask can be safe with the football. We know that, you know, the running backs can improve their ball security, that kind of thing. I'm not concerned about the offense having a sudden surge in turnovers. Defensively, I think as Florida continues to get more comfortable, get younger guys just a little bit more familiar with being in the right spots, I do think you have the potential to force more takeaways. And in in games against the Bama-type teams, those are huge factors in the game. So I I think that can improve. And then I also think, Blake, we haven't seen Florida at full strength defensively yet. And I know Dan Mullen's talked about it a lot. Um, And it's easy to look at, you know, the busts each week and kind of the big plays they've given up. But to be honest, Florida's doing a pretty good job outside of the explosive plays these last three weeks. And the numbers and the analytics kind of bear that out. If they can get to full strength defensively where you have a Jeremiah Moon available uh, to combo with Chris Bogle, you know, starting to play more guys – keep guys fresher deep into the game. That's when I think you can have Zach Carter, who's kind of the potential to be that impact player, start to make more plays and then force more mistakes for opposing offenses. Because that's what you're going to have to do when you're talking about playing these championship level teams like Alabama. You know, if you get into the playoffs of Clemson and Ohio State, uh, what have you, 
you have to be able to force a few mistakes because a lot of those offenses are just as good as Florida's and capable of winning those races. So what those games come down to, I think, is turnovers, being able to affect the quarterback. And I think when you look at Florida's defense, they do lead the SEC in sacks. I mean, this is a disruptive defense, despite the fact that they don't have a Jonathan Grenard. They don't have a Ja'Kai Polite, a Jabari Zuniga. Um, I think that they, are, they have developed kind of that whole system approach. Now, is it good enough when you start facing superior athletes? I don't know, but I think there's reason enough for optimism to believe that Florida could be a championship-level team. Now, Blake, let's flip it around. If you were making the argument that Florida is not capable of winning a championship this year, where would you start? Probably the defense, and I would say even to kind of single more in there, I'd say the secondary, just because if you're talking straight up championships, I mean, you're, you're looking ahead all the way to you know the SEC championship. Obviously, Florida and Alabama have to win their games. They have to continue to finish out. Let's say these guys meet in the SEC championship game. You look at what Bama does, they stretch the field a lot. You know, they, they really try to go over the top of guys. And I think that that's where Florida secondary has struggled. I think giving up those big chunks of yards plays where there's some busts and some coverages. So I would think that that would probably be, you know, what would keep Florida out of an, uh, you know, an SEC championship, just giving up too much of those plays. Because I think Alabama is a type of team that that's their bread and butter. That's where they want to attack you. They want Mac Jones to air it out. They want to go deep. They have a lot of playmakers all around. So I think that if you're looking from strictly championship games, Florida has to win that SEC championship game to play in, to get into the playoffs. So, I mean, that's first and foremost. If you're looking at Florida, you have to win the SEC championship game to get into that game. So, I mean, I think for me, you know, just continuing on, you know, if, if Florida secondary can tighten up and they can beat Alabama, they're playing in the playoffs and you have to continue to work on things in the secondary and on the defense, you know, with whatever teams make it into the, you know, into the college football playoffs, whether that's, you know, Clemson, whether that's, you know, whatever. And I, I don't know what the, you know, final four will look like when we get close to there, but I just think cleaning things up on defense Florida's made big you know, strides in the last couple of weeks of cleaning things up. They seem to kind of figuring things out. Like you said, the defensive line is getting a little bit more pressure there. And I think it's more of a kind of a committee type thing. It's not like you said, just a Ja'Kai Polite. It's not just a Jonathan Grenard. You know, they have some players, you know, Zach Carter is definitely the guy that's made more of an impact, you know, just winning the SEC um, defensive lineman twice, uh, SEC defensive lineman of the week twice so far this season. So I think the front, the front line has really kind of come along better. I think Florida's linebackers play could be cleaned up some, but I think they have some younger guys that getting them and you know some play time and getting them more accustomed to playing at a higher level I think that that's something that can come around and I you know we don't know you know the guys like Tyron Hopper Derek Wingo you know those type of guys I think that those guys have a pretty bright future ahead of them but you look at Florida secondary I just think that that's where they continue to give up those kind of plays and I think cleaning up those extra yardage those busting coverages I think that that's what Florida's gonna have to do. I think that's what could hold them back from playing at a championship level because like you said those offenses at those championship you know SEC championship, national championship type games, they're going to play some good offenses. So I think that that's where you have to clean things up for Florida. And I think that that could be the, you know, the thing that does hold them back. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head with Alabama just being a bad matchup for Florida. And I, and I think we talked about it a little bit on the last episode of the podcast, as you're, as you're kind of looking forward, those are the things you have to fix or you're not going to win that game. I mean, yeah, let me take that back. Florida's offense is capable of winning that game, but if you sure. don't fix those issues defensively, you're putting it squarely on their shoulders. Where, and we talked know, before we started recording to where I said, you know, you look at what Ole Miss and what Lane Kiffin did against Alabama there. I mean, they they pretty much did whatever they wanted on offense. It was just a high-scoring game. I think Florida matches up good against Alabama's defense too. So I think that Florida has the offense to keep them in the games, but are they going to keep Bama from scoring more points than them? I guess that's just the thing because you just you look at the A&M game, Florida's one fumble away from winning that game. Florida didn't score on every drive, and you don't want to put your offense into that situation. Can Florida score on it at will at times? Sure, but it's just a hard 
it's a hard task to put on an offense when you're talking about championships. And I think absolutely. That that's, that's where I, I guess my, my hangup is there. No, absolutely. And I, I think the other thing, and it, I think it speaks kind of to what you're saying as well, is the, the talent level on defense is probably not as – it's not playing out on the field quite as high as it looked on paper. And we've talked about that, that we thought defensively, outside of some class gaps, you know, defensive tackle and whatnot, whatnot that Florida was, was talented enough to be very good on defense. And right now the production, the, the lack of um, being able to stop those explosive plays from opposing offenses – that has made Florida's defense not as good as it should be. And I think part of that, and this is why if I was making a case against Florida being a championship team, I don't really see a superstar game changer really at any level of the defense. And I think if you were going to have one, it would probably be Zach Carter. But I think the issue is when you start facing teams as good as Bama, that recruit as good as Bama, you have to have a couple of those guys because Alabama can scheme around one player. They can scheme around a Zach Carter and take him away and, and really – you know, give Mac Jones time to throw and then exploit those matchups in the secondary. I just don't see game changers at, at every level of the defense. You know, Ventrell Miller, give him credit. He's playing very well, but he's not a game changer. You know, he's not a Brandon Spikes. He's not a, a even a John Bostic. You know, he's not one of those guys that is going to change a game on his own. And give him credit for the fourth down pass that he broke up last week. And again, I'm not trying to take anything away from Ventrell Miller. Just talking about if you are going to be a championship level team, you need guys that make plays like that. You need a Reggie Nelson who can cover some mistakes and, and then turn games on its head with his ability to come up with that key game changing play. That for me right now is an issue with the Florida defense. You know, we talked about it being, you know, they're, they're still getting pressure on the quarterback, the sacks, they have 19 sacks, which leads the league, but it just, it doesn't have the feel for me right now of a defense that is going to be able to do that. And against an elite team. And I think, you know, you saw Texas A&M exploit Florida. And I know that was, you know, three or four games ago, and obviously Florida can improve, but I just, right now, that's part of the problem for me. And then the other issue, Blake, I don't actually think the schedule does Florida a whole lot of favors going into that SEC championship game. And there's, there's two sides to that coin. One, Florida doesn't have a whole lot of tough matchups to end the season. So they should theoretically come in fairly well-rested. You would expect most of these next four games that they'll be able to get the starters out of there relatively early, not play a ton of snaps, be able to, like you said, develop some of these younger guys. But at the same time, I think, because Florida probably is going to be double-digit favorites in every game going forward, and, and rightfully so, that can almost lull Florida into a sense of, hey, we, we're, we're getting these things fixed, when really it's just, yeah, they're cleaning them up slightly, but it's against lesser talent. I almost think it would be to Florida's benefit to have a tougher game for this SEC championship game. Who knows? Maybe LSU develops. Maybe Tennessee up in Knoxville ends up being a tight contest. You know, it could be cold up there two weeks before the SEC championship game. And that kind of wakes Florida up and, you know, keeps that fire going, but you want to peak at the right time. And to be a championship team, that means late in the season. That means peaking when you're in Atlanta. Um, I think the danger for Florida is that, you know, it, it kind of falls asleep thinking it's got some of these issues cleaned up. And then you go against Mac Jones and that Alabama passing attack. And again, if you can't get a pass rush, if you don't have a game changer in the secondary that can pick off a pass when you need it most uh, to me, you know, I can, I can see the argument for why people aren't fully buying into Florida at this point. That's more of a defensive thing. I think everyone pretty much agrees that offense can score at will at times. So it's, it's apples to oranges because – or not apples to oranges. It's just it's nitpicky because Florida can play at a high level, but when you're talking about playing at a championship level, you're playing at an elite level. Those are just two different conversations. And, and you know, maybe, maybe Alabama fans are having these same kind of conversations. You know, like you said, Alabama's defense has not been – 
what you would typically expect from Nick Saban. Right. And maybe that's just the way the game is in 2020. And if so, you know, maybe that supports the argument that Florida is a legit championship contender. I mean, you look across the board in the SEC, I don't think anybody scored fewer than 35 points last week. So part of it is, you know, again, that's where I go back to when you're, when you're making the case for Florida, this staff knows how to put together a game plan based on how they think the game's going to play out. And so if Florida staff thinks Alabama's going to score, I guarantee you Florida's going to come in with an offensive game plan to push the tempo, get as many plays as possible in, and, and kind of go that way. So, you know, I, I, I'm not sold either way. And, and I, I would, you know, be wishy-washy and not, not give you an answer if you, you push me right now for an answer. But I think there's legitimate cases to be made on both sides, and it's going to be really interesting over these next four games to kind of see – you want to see Florida blow out each of these four teams. You want to see the defense not give up these explosive plays. If they're still doing that against this level of competition in these next four weeks, it's going to be a concern heading into Atlanta. But Absolutely. Wait, let's, uh, let's get to talking a little bit of Vanderbilt because we do have a game this weekend, even though it's a 31-point spread. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be back previewing Vanderbilt on the other side of the commercial. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, like we said, not a whole lot of intrigue with this Vandy game, a 31-point spread. I think the biggest question marks for Florida are probably an 11 a.m. kickoff. Uh, not really going to be many people in the stands, although Vandy did end up changing their, their rules and there will be a limited number, you know, so there will be some family there and stuff like that. I guess my question for you, Blake, if, if there even is a question, is there anything you're worried about with this game? Not really. I think at this point, and, and I, don't, I don't say worry. I just think it, you, you want to have it to where you want to get these backups in. I think the worry is just making sure that you don't have these guys, you know, like a Kyle Trask or some of the starters in. I mean, if the game is out of hand, you know, get those guys out, you know, keep them healthy, get some experience for some of your backups. And, and, I, and I say worry just because I don't know what other word to use there, but I just think keeping it in the back of your head to where – I mean, it's Vandy, you know, even if the game is well in hand, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, 42 to, you know, something like that to, before you pull the starters out. I think that Florida's offense is, is going to come in. They're going to be hot, you know, 11 a.m. or start or, or, you know, or not. I think that Florida has way more talent to, you know, go out to a pretty early lead. And I think that, you know, get, you know, get Kyle Trask's stats if you want to keep him in the Heisman race. I don't know that that's something the coaches really think about in the grand scheme of things when it comes to games. But just the worry of just keeping your guys healthy, you know, keeping the, you know, the focus moved on, you know, to what you're continuing to play for just having it to where you, you know in the game to where it's time to put Emory in or it's time to put the backups in or it's time to you know switch some guys out on defense just continuing to 
know that you need to get these guys some experience going forward. And I think this is the perfect game for that because, again, it's Vanderbilt. You know, they're 0-6. Florida beat them last year 56-0. to So I, I would assume we're going to see some backups in there fairly early, just knowing the right time to keep them in just to, you know, not keep padding the stats and, you know, keep running things up with, you know, your ones. You know, keep those guys in there and keep them, you know, get them some play snaps. Emory Jones is obviously the future for Florida. Getting him just to continue to, you know, get him better at reading defenses when it's full go. Because you can only do so much in practice. So I think that these are the reps where you need to be, you know, smart and and get those guys in there. So not only to keep your guys safe, but to also get them some experience. Yeah, I had the the chance to watch the SEC inside uh, video from the Arkansas game. And one of the things that stuck out to me was Kyle Trask. You know, he's such a mild mannered guy in the media, but you, you watch that and he's on the sideline. Like, let's go get another one. Uh, you know, let's, let's, let's run it up. I love to see that from a quarterback. I'll never forget. Um, one of our mutual friends, Derek Tyson told me a story um, from one of his good buddies, Mike Pearson, who used to play for Florida. And he played with Rex Grossman. And uh, he told a story one time about how Rex Grossman, I forget who they were playing. It was like, um, I, I don't even know who it was, maybe South Carolina, something like that. And uh, Rex kind of came into the huddle first series of the game, and he was like, all right, let's, let's get in here. Let's score five quick touchdowns so we can take off at half and get on to partying. And <laughs> I think that's kind of like the mentality that you want to see from Kyle Trask in Florida in these type of games. You know, just get in there, get, on, get done, get on the bench. You know, we talked about it against Arkansas. Like, Trask looked like he was just chilling on the sidelines late in the fourth quarter, hanging out. You want to see that in these type of games. You want to see that mentality. So I, I think that's something that, you know, I'll be looking for Saturday. I think, like you said, the value of getting those backups, some experience, creating some depth ahead of, you know, this likely game against Alabama. And then, honestly, just protecting your starters. I mean, injuries happen in football. The quicker you get those guys Especially out Especially this year. I mean, injuries have happened, you know, shorter offseason, all these things that everyone knows already. I mean, it's just, they're things to think about in this, in this 2020 season. But having said that, you know, I think you can make a case that Vanderbilt is probably tougher than they look. I know they're 0-6, but you look at the schedule. You know, they played A&M very tight in that first game. Obviously, that was a long time ago. They've covered, they've covered double-digit spreads, Blake, now in back-to-back weeks. I mean, only lost to Kentucky by three points last week. They've shown some signs offensively that they're starting to get it together. So, you know, you could see this if Florida doesn't take it seriously, if they come out slow with a noon start, potentially turning into a game. I mean – Ken Seals, he struggles with throwing interceptions a little bit, the Vanderbilt quarterback, but he has looked pretty good the last couple of weeks. And, and they've thrown Mike Wright, another true freshman in there, in kind of some red zone situations. So you've got a lot to prepare for there. You know, the running back, Keon Henry Brooks, has really come on hot in the last three games. And so I think this will be another good test for Florida in the front seven. He's got nearly 500 yards in just the last three games. Now, he is questionable, I think, for this game with a rib injury last I saw. So who knows there? But I mean, Vanderbilt's got some guys that can potentially hurt you. I think one guy that you circle knowing Florida's issues, giving up big plays, is wide receiver Amir Abdurrahman. He's kind of their big play threat and, and has been able to get loose deep several times. And then, you know, Cam Johnson's the guy they throw a lot of balls to at receivers. So Florida has some guys they'll have to circle, and he's got a good tight end. I think if you were looking at kind of question marks in this matchup, Vanderbilt's O-line is what you worry about because Florida has, like you said, They've got the talent to pressure you by committee. And I think if Florida can disrupt those quarterbacks, I mean, they are still young guys. They turn the ball over. That's going to be, I think, a big question in this game. And then the other thing, I, I don't know that Vandy's defense can stop the run. You know, we, we've talked about Florida. They're definitely not a running team, but I think they're very, very capable of running, probably more so than people realize. I mean, this O-line has really done a good job kind of generating some, some seams for those guys to run through, some lanes. And I think you're seeing all three backs are pretty confident at this point. 
to the point that, you know, if Florida wanted to lean on, you know, kind of shorten this game, get in and out of there, they could easily just run the ball all day. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think, I think the biggest thing is just if you're Florida is just not treating this like it's Vandy. And I, and it's probably a weird thing to say, but you know, you, you can easily look past some of these teams. I've seen great Florida teams look past a Vanderbilt team in the past, and it was a little bit closer than what you would expect it just on paper. So just staying, staying complacent, you know, just not staying, getting complacent there and keeping your eyes on the prize. And it's an e- Vanderbilt is an easy team to overlook. I mean, it's on the road, you know, luckily those guys probably won't be going out in Nashville. I mean, I probably will. Uh, I, I can't blame him if they did. Cause that's a cool place, but um, you know, just, not going there and treating this as, as a pleasure trip, you know, making sure it's a business trip. Vanderbilt, I, I don't know that this – I don't think this is going to be a close game. 31-point spread is a lot. I know Florida beat these guys 56-0 to zero or something that effect last year. Um, you know, I, I don't know that this is going to be a shutout game just because I can see Florida throwing in their backups in there and Vanderbilt scoring some points on those guys. But I think this is a game – I think we both agree this is a game that Florida should win easily. Yeah, I'm not ready to say any game is going to be a shutout game with this Florida defense this year. No chance. I think, you know, again, these type of games always come down to two things to me. One, do you start fast? Because if Florida starts fast offensively and does what we've seen them do all year, this game will be over right away. I mean, Florida comes out and scores on two or three of their first drives. It's it's over. Vanderbilt, not very good at really getting takeaways. They only have one interception all year. I think they've only forced six takeaways so far this season. So, you know, that that would be kind of a neutralizer, potentially. I don't see it really in this one. I don't think Vandy is going to be able to turn Florida over that much. Um, you know, they've got some good linebackers and I think Derek Mason, you know, as a defensive coach, you always expect him to have a pretty good game plan, but I don't care how good your game plan is. You're not stopping Kyle Trask in this offense. I mean, it's just too good. I think, you know, we're talking about them being a championship contender on the merits of basically the offense alone. Championship teams like that don't lose to Vanderbilt, whether or not Florida is a championship team, they win this game. Absolutely. And then you look at Vanderbilt putting up 16.2 points a game. You know, Florida has their struggles on defense, yes, but just Vanderbilt just doesn't really quite seem. I know that they've heated up a little bit here in you know, the last couple of weeks, but I just don't see this, uh, you know, Florida's defensive de- deficiencies or not. I just don't see this being one that Vanderbilt really comes in and puts up much of a fight. But you have to keep in mind that, you know, not necessarily looking ahead because you want to keep your eyes on this game and stay in the present, but just know that, you know, you can't overlook this game. You can't you can't look too far ahead, but at the same time, you need to know that there's still a lot to play for, and you can't you can't just go in and just expect that you know that you know practice. We don't need no practice, you know, just kind of taking the week off, week off, you know, kind of loafing around. Like, I mean, I, I think this this coaching staff does a good job of keeping their guys prepared. So, I mean, all those things just Florida has to keep in their mind when they're playing this team. You know, zero and six or not, I mean, you still have to go out and play the game, and you still have to go out and and you know play your game plan. Well, and, and back to the first half of the podcast, I mean. The questions Florida has to clean up need to start getting worked on. And I think that's been Dan Mullen's message this week has been, we don't even need to worry about Vanderbilt. You know, obviously we're going to prepare for them, but really this week is all about us. It's all about getting a little bit better than we were last week about preparing a little bit better than we did last week leading into the game and continuing to take those steps so that, you know, four or five weeks from now, when you do face Alabama, you know how to go through a game week and be fully locked in on your preparation, fully locked into the game plan, fully locked into going out there and executing together all 11 guys on either side of the football. And I think that's, that's where Florida has to be. You hope that the players are locked in and that goes back to leadership. I have no question that the leadership on the offensive side of the ball is very good from Kyle Trask or Brett Heggie, Stone Forsyth. I think they've got a really good group there. Defensively, I think same thing. I mean, I think, I think Kyrie Campbell, Zachary Carter, those guys are, are excellent leaders, but 
human nature is that you kind of take your foot off the gas a little bit, you know, when you're, you're coming off basically two emotional games where first you had the, the big Georgia win and then you had Felipe Franks back in the swamp. That wasn't hard to get juiced up for. Now the question is, can you go on the road and in an environment that's going to be not the most favorable to creating energy and can you stay locked in and take another step forward? And I think that's the question for Florida. Juice so, boys are the key to the game. Got to have the juice boys going. I love those guys on the sideline, man. They, they get me hyped every time, waving the towels around. And uh, what was it last year, two years ago, they had the air guitar. Yeah, um, it was the uh, long snapper, yes. Yeah, that stuff's great. So hopefully we see some of that on Saturday. We, uh, we don't have a five-star mailbag on this segment of the podcast. We, we unfortunately did not have anybody uh, give us feedback. So guys, if you want to hear us answer a question directly on the podcast, be sure to go to iTunes, drop us a five-star review and leave your question and we will answer it on the show. One other thing before we wrap up this episode, I wanted to remind people uh, in case you're not aware, we are running a 50% off flash sale on VIP memberships at Swamp 24-7. You get a ton of great info. Blake has excellent access to recruiting, a lot of insight on that front. Maybe not quite as much news this time around this year, just because Florida's class is largely locked up. We do have the early signing period coming up. You never know what can happen. You know, Florida could add a spot here or there and, you know, potentially flip some guys. So Blake will have all the VIP info for you there. Again, 50% off a subscription. It's a great deal, uh, but it's only running through the end of today, Thursday. So hopefully you guys listening to the podcast on the way home, on your drive home from work, if that's actually still a thing. I don't really think that works anymore. Um, you know, get the site. We've got links on there to how you can take advantage of the 50% off subscription. And uh, we hope you do that and we hope you enjoy. But that'll do it for today's episode of the podcast, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.